If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider helping by supporting our show. Although never expected, any support for our show enables us to keep bringing the audiobook club to your ears. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Season 3 of the Audiobook Club with John York, a podcast celebrating every aspect of audiobook production and the surrounding industry. The Audiobook Club is sponsored by Amplify Audiobooks by Pro Audio Voices. To hear more about the phenomenal movements Amplify Audiobooks is making for independent authors in the audiobook space, you can find a direct link in the bio of this episode, as well as a short but informative advertisement within this interview. Let's start the show. Welcome to the Audiobook Club. In this week's episode, we're so lucky to be joined by audiobook narrator and voice actor Aaron Smith. Aaron, it's so lovely to have you join us on the show. How are you today? Uh, Doing well. Thank you very much for uh, having me on. Uh, Absolutely pleased to be here. Oh, thank you. We're very pleased to have you. I keep saying we. I do that a lot. It's just me, but I am pleased to have you here. (laughs) So so as is tradition on the show, um, I'd love to start by asking how you first found yourself in the world of storytelling, audiobooks and voiceover. Uh, So try to keep it fairly brief. Um, But uh, like uh, the vast majority of narrators out there, we've enjoyed books i mean you can't you can't do narrating uh without enjoying books and i remember that my love of books really started when i started reading a book and listening to the audiobook at the same time the the act of listening to it being performed shifted the way that i naturally read books so that now when i'm casually reading a story i'm narrating it in my head the way I would with an audiobook. But I've read books enjoying that side of things for a long time. Um, I got into playing D&D with some people at work about a decade ago. And uh, from that, I loved the storytelling side of it. So I became a forever DM. I was constantly trying to run every story, play every NPC I possibly could. And while I was playing a, a session of D&D, someone made a comment to me. It's like, man, I could listen to you talk all day. You should do audiobooks. So I, uh, I, sure enough, I Googled how to become an audiobook narrator. And that's when I found ACX.com, which while Amazon isn't the best opportunity for audiobooks out there it is was a great way for me to get started because no prior uh, experience required just get up there and audition so i did i started doing it and what uh, what i tell a lot of people is that uh, in the early days before i really got involved in it i tried to impress a young lady by reading uh, to her every night to help her fall asleep and it worked and i absolutely fell in love with the idea of reading to people unfortunately the uh, the reading helped her fall asleep didn't help any progression in any sort of relationship there but uh, since then i just loved reading uh, to people and it's that aspect of that uh, knowing that others are going to be listening to me that has fueled me since then. 
Yeah, that is such an interesting way to. So, did you find like your sort of like love of performance that just literally through performing, like you started yeah. it and thought, "Hang on a sec, this is great." Uh, absolutely. So, um, my experience, my previous uh, career goals and whatnot, vastly different. I went to university to study aerospace engineering because oh. I wanted to make a plane. That was that was my dream. I wanted to make a plane. Um, while I was there found that I couldn't afford to continue going to university, so I needed some other option. So I dropped out and did an, a study at home game design degree. Mm-hmm. So I got involved in game design and realized that I really enjoyed the creative side of game design. And that scratched the itch to create a plane. So I was like, okay, so this makes sense. And then while working as a game designer, I learned that I loved the story. I became a narrative game designer and it all just fed towards realizing I I enjoy crafting the world and the performance that, that I get. Yeah. Yeah. That is so interesting. And like you mentioned like with the, you know, obviously your love of story uh, has always been there and it's weird how everything sort of meshes together, doesn't it? And you kind of think all of these elements of things that I enjoy and then they've, they've sort of fed into this, into this craft. Um, when you were first starting out, when you were narrating those um, early books way back in the day, as soon as you, once you started, what would you say was like your the the biggest challenge that you found yourself having to overcome? My first couple books, um, I would say my first book, the biggest challenge I had was that I kept making the mistake of not saving my files at different increments. So I would record and then edit that file and send it off. And then I'd get pickups and realize, hang on, trying to mix it into the, the edited version isn't working very well. So I've got to, I don't have the raw version anymore. So I have to re-record it. I think I re-recorded that first book like four times <laughs> before I realized I can just save separate files. Um, and keep the raw on hand. But uh, um, it was, I would say the biggest challenge was just getting the equipment necessary to to take on those bigger uh, and those better uh, opportunities. My first microphone was a 35 pound simple uh, condenser mic that came as a full kit and I can't listen back to that first project now because I realized that I did such a terrible job. Um, but it was just project after project and then, okay, I'll, I'll replace this next thing. Uh, yeah. I'll do this and uh, slowly but surely finally getting to the stage where I, I have a sound treated space. I have a microphone that I feel confident is going to last me for a while. So I was just getting that equipment at first. Yeah. And you mentioned that the, the thing about the saving the files, I mean, that's a problem that you would never have been able to foresee. That, that I mean, that takes like having to make it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that's not a, a foreseen uh, problem. These, I always think like, you know, the production side of, 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 of this gig, of, you know, of, of creating audiobooks, it's like unlike any of that. I mean, even other voiceover um, work is so unique. Like, did that come... Did that come kind of natural to you? Like, you know, the production side of things, the post-production, or was that a big 
sort of learning curve like how were you before before that with your understanding of of like post-production and you know i'm not very good at all and still to this day i uh i don't think my uh editing skills are um are good enough i do a good enough job for the job but uh eventually I hope to just be able to outsource all of my uh, my mastering to someone else to be able to do it. Um, but uh, me doing it has been out of necessity. So mm. I haven't been able to uh, take on uh, any uh, anyone else to do my editing. I haven't been able to outsource it. So I need to learn how to do it. What do I need to learn? Okay, at first it was with Audacity. There are some straightforward guides online of how to hit the ACX standards for for that. And so at first I just did that. And then I learned there's a few tricks and tweaks you can make to that to actually make it sound good for your voice. And Mm -hmm. so it's just been on the spot learning. Um, I still don't think I'm very good. I don't enjoy the editing side of things. I now use (laughs) Studio One and RX, and it is much easier than using Audacity. And much better quality, but uh, but yeah, that's a huge challenge. Yeah, much prefer the performance side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I get. I'm, I'm with you on that one all the way. <laughs> um, so I first came across you and your your work via TikTok, um, which has really like boomed as a platform for you know narrators to to share their work. I just wondered, like, what like what made you make the decision to start you know documenting your your journey, as it were, like on on TikTok. So I've tried other social media uh, and other online uh, situations. I tried setting up a Facebook page and I didn't like how much management Facebook needed me to do to keep it going. Uh, I did try out Twitch for a while. Um, I would uh, live stream myself on Twitch reading, but I could only read public domain books which meant it was uh, not uh, not as exciting as my audiobook narration stuff. Um, but uh, I found I was getting a lot of anxiety off of uh, how Twitch is designed for you to have a regular schedule, uh, schedule to make sure that you are uh, live at the same time every day and people can rely on you. And I just couldn't, like, I, I couldn't do that. So... I saw TikTok, I was scrolling through it myself, and then I thought, you know what, I'm going to start out small and simple. So as of right now, my TikTok is mostly, in my mind, just my digital portfolio. Mm. If someone wants to see my work, they can go to my TikTok. I may go live regularly, um, but that's not... I'm not doing it to gain the followers or anything like that. It's just a collection of my works and it's helping my social anxiety uh, a lot because I don't view it as trying to get as many followers as possible. It's just my portfolio. Yeah, I agree. When you like, when performing live, you mentioned Twitch there, um, that you tried it on there. And then obviously we've TikTok lives and things. Like, how do you, kind of feel with like live streaming your narration work like i mean like in the sense of like the performance wise because I, I can only speak for myself i've tried it recently i only hit a thousand followers on tiktok like quite recently and i went and read a little bit of a um a public domain 
book just to sort of test it out. And I got so sort of anxious about like, how do I look in this frame? Like really silly stuff. Like how, how do I, like how am I sounding? Are the comments saying things that are nasty? And like, I just got like so in my head that I was like, I really can't, I don't think I can do this. Like, and I see like Paige Reisenfeld, he's like amazing. And she like live streams every single day uh, with the narration thing. And, and, and uh, Ali Shay is like another one. Like, like how, are you like just like totally cool with it and just get in the zone and are able to block it out? Or was that a process or? Uh, so I get the same way. Uh, I really do. I, um, I can't look at the comment section while mm. I'm, uh, while I'm working because A, I'll get distracted and mm. flub over what I'm working on um, and B, it'll cause me to uh, to stress too much about it. I have had live sessions where there have been a lot of um, a lot of trolls jumping in to, mm. to leave comments and I just just uh, it, when I looked at it and when I would read them it would just affect me too much and I'd find mm. that I can't go live for a couple of days because I was too afraid um, but there's been a few people like uh, uh, Celtic Blue to you who uh, has been supportive she jumps on regularly enough that uh, she showed me how to make her a moderator for me and so she gets rid of all those those nasty comments for me and i just focus on the narration yeah. at the end of a chapter i will then scroll through and kind of say hey how's how's everything going but uh i try not to think about the live too much yeah i think that's i think that's wise um do you does it like feed that love of performing because like you know you mentioned um you know loving reading to people and like loving that there's an audience there and obviously the whole like benefit of like a live audience is it's it's live reading it's really you know reading for people on the spot does that like do, do you get like a kick out of that is that does that feed that um, oh yeah oh yeah. yeah um particularly I enjoy moments where I get to go into a character. So not all narrators do character voices. Not all audiobooks need character voices. Mm. I enjoy doing them myself. And so I enjoy shifting from narration to character to narration to a different character and uh, mm. that aspect of the performance. And I, I always enjoy when I see little comments that are, I can't believe you were able to just switch like that. And, oh, your range is incredible. And, <laughs> and it, it's always hilarious when I get to see people react to some of the voices that I get to do. Yeah. Like I have a fairly deep voice, but when I switch to do a female voice and I'm talking a lot more high pitched, then people are shocked that it that it's me so yeah uh, it's always nice to see yeah absolutely would you like would you recommend other narrators get on board with tiktok if they're not already like is that i i read mostly on like facebook although i must admit i do try and avoid facebook groups like the plague at this point um but like you see like people say no tiktok's the place to be and then other people say no it's not it's, it's you know it's just full of dancing teenage girls or whatever and i just kind of and obviously like you know each to their own I just kind of wondered like, where you were on that on that fence. Do you see it as a tool that, you know, it, it can really be, you know, business-wise about getting your name out there, making contacts, networking. Do you see it as like a force for good all in all? I see it as a powerful tool that can be used for good or used for bad. 
Uh, it's all down to how you want to use it. People mm. complain that all they see on TikTok is dancing girls. If you just swipe past them quick enough, enough, TikTok will not will stop showing you those dancing girls. It, I found it wasn't long after I started focusing on BookTok uh, mm. accounts that all I see is just authors and and books and. Uh, and things in my uh, my TikTok account, I would highly recommend it, uh, if nothing more than a good opportunity to show off uh, lots of samples. So mm. we have websites, we have digital portfolios and things that we can send out. And I haven't updated my website uh, samples in a long time because it's a chore to do that. But I can just record a quick video of a new voice or a new uh, mm. sample on TikTok and there it is. It's it's uploaded. It's ready to go. And I've seen a lot of success for me from TikTok. So my best-selling audiobooks have by far have to be the Levanthria series written by A.P. Beswick. Mm. Uh, fantastic dark fantasy uh, series. I was scrolling through TikTok, saw one of his videos, thought it was, that was a really cool video and an intriguing premise to a story. And I looked at some of the comments and one of them was, hey, have you thought about making an audiobook of this? And he responded to that comment was with, people have been asking, I don't know where to start. So mm -hmm. I immediately email him saying, I know, I know where to start. I can, uh, I'd love to show you and help you learn the process of creating an audiobook in return for an opportunity to audition to narrate your book for you. Oh, that's and a great thing to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it worked. He uh, he listened to the sample that I provided him. He absolutely uh, loved it. We went straight in for the first one, and I I think it sold like 20,000 copies, the audiobook oh. alone. Um, yeah. And so from that, I've done uh, now... I think five books for him. I'm, I've got uh, one more in progress now. Another one that's coming in soon from him. Um, we've just recently, because of my love of D and D, we did a one-shot uh, D and D session in his book world that that I ran as the DM with him as one of the players and a few other fans of the series in as the other players. And he enjoyed it. We enjoyed it enough that we've produced it into a more official looking pdf and that's going to go live on kickstarter soon for people to to acquire and so from me scrolling tiktok and yeah. messaging an author saying uh i i can i can help you i got yeah. a lot of success now that being said i don't want narrators to take from this that you should just scroll through TikTok and message every author saying, hey, would you like a narrator? Because no, that's not good. Um, you, uh, a, an author would much rather know that you have some interest in their story before you pitch them, uh, you in particular. So mm -hmm. when I did it for AP Beswick, I made sure that I let him know um, that I am... 100% comfortable if he would rather go with a different voice if, because mm. my voice isn't perfect for every story. It's good for uh, the ones that I do, um, but other narrators are better for other, other kinds of uh, stories.
So feel free, please, to look at other ones. I just want to help you get that audiobook out. And thankfully, he did pick me. But I mean, like, what a lesson for you, like, being proactive about it, though, because a lot of people have just ignored it or not even, like, looked. But I, I suppose that if you were interested in the content anyway, um, that, yeah, it was, but that was a, it was a really, like, I mean, as a business standpoint, and also just from, like, a nice thing to do, a great thing to reach out and say, like, I'll help you with this process and not, like, expect anything of it. Just, like, hear me out. I think that's, yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, in terms of, like, engaging with, we talked about engaging with authors there. In terms of engaging with uh, fellow narrators and voice actors, like, how important is it to you or is it important at all to engage um, in, in the community of fellow uh, fellow voice talent is that is that something that you you know you you think about often of like how do I make narrator friends or you know that kind of thing uh yeah I do I I have the uh the mindset that um if you're only doing your thing in isolation you are going to make everything that you do bigger and better um mm but you're also going to amplify all of your mistakes as well. If you're mm. doing it completely in isolation, you, uh, if you do it without engaging with other narrators, the only review process you have is the actual uh, audiobook reviews, which aren't a great source of, uh, of critique for us. So uh, engaging with other narrators, listening to their works and uh, hearing the kinds of things that they do and they get up to um, really helps me to re realize, oh, maybe I should not do that. Maybe I should amplify this a little bit more. And so I think you you grow better when you can engage with other people. Yeah, definitely. Are you are you based in the UK? I'm gu guessing you're based in the UK. I am for right now, yes. So I'm just outside of Birmingham. Um, okay. I I am engaged uh, to a young lady from Utah in America. Oh, cool. And, love Utah. Uh, <laughs> it's a great place. Absolutely love it myself. Um, our plan is for me to get married in uh, for us to get married in February, and so in two weeks from recording day today. Uh, I have my interview with the U.S. Embassy in London to oh. get my final visa to be able to move out there. So as of right now, I am Birmingham, UK-based, but yeah. uh, pretty soon I will be Utah-based. That's amazing. Well, first of all, congratulations. Um, Thank you. It, it, I mean, that's insane. I, 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 I won't go into how jealous I am of uh, <laughs> me moving out there uh, right now. I'll save that for another time. Uh, but that sounds amazing. The reason why I asked that was just because... And to be fair, I'm not quite sure Utah specifically, but I know that um, obviously in the States, there are a lot of in-person events, meetups, you know, you have APAC and all the other One Voice and all, you know, the other um, conventions and such um, that people get to go and you get to meet people in person and go watch, you know, events live and things like that. And it seems like there's, there's just a lot happening in the States in terms of networking and community. Um, and... In the UK, it's a little bit different. I have found in my own experience, um, you know, you may get just like a small little meetup with like five people in a pub um, or like if or if there is going to be a meetup, it's going to be in London. And obviously that's not accessible for a, a fair amount of people with the current state of the everything else. We won't go into that, but mm -hmm. you get my you get my point. I just kind of wondered if you 
I mean, is that something on your radar going to in-person events? Is that something that you have done? Is that something that you want to do in the future? Yeah, ab absolutely. And I, I agree with you. It is maybe it's just not marketed enough in the UK, mm. but I don't hear about events until it's too late for me to plan to go and attend them in the mm. UK. Um, I recently went with AP Beswick, the author of the Levanthria series I was just mentioning. He had he decided he was going to do his first book signing event at his local library. And so mm. I went with him to support him for that. So I wasn't going as a narrator. I wasn't mm. there to show off my uh, my abilities. I actually had used my leathercraft skills to craft him about 150 book bookmarks out of leather to give to him so that he could uh, use those at the book signing event. Nice. Um, but uh, it was great fun to to be in that setting and that scenario and then after the event hang out with the author and a few other authors that turned up and to talk yeah. about the things in person rather than online but there's just very little here yeah. in the uk um i recently went to a comic-con and saw a couple authors uh at there I thought okay that's that's cool it's not a book event but they're still going out there i recently went to spiel the board gaming convention in germany there was an author that had set up a booth there um but again it wasn't a book related event it was for something else uh in the us i'm constantly hearing about these events that are being held and being planned and so as soon as i had a rough idea of when I was moving, I decided, okay, I'm going to every event since then. So I'm already signed up for Books and Beaches in August in Oregon. Um, I'm going to just sign up for absolutely every opportunity I can to go to these events because I know that they're going to be fun. Yeah. There just aren't many in the UK. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's going to be so much fun, man. I'm, I'm very much like, I feel... I mean, I I did I, I don't want to moan too much because I did have the chance to go to APAC and um, I've, I've been to the States um, a fair bit over the last year and have had a chance to meet up with people um, and, and fellow narrators and organize little nights out. It's just it was such like a special occasion when I was going to it. And they're like, oh, no, we do this like once a month. Like, you know, there's 30 of us. We all hang out and talk about funny stories and stuff. And as, I don't know about you, but like i mean I, I live in a small village anyway which is great for sound but not so much for company um and you know like i just live with my partner and when they're out at work during the day i'm just it's just me and my little booth and it's you know it's quite an isolated job as it is and then with the only kind of um you know communication being over zoom being over email i'm finding myself especially after covid as well I'm finding myself just like really sort of gnawing at the idea of trying to get out there and try and do something in real life for a change, you know? Mm -hmm. No, I, exactly. Um, I, I was, the, I used to, I was actually living by myself for a couple of years um, prior to COVID. And for that very reason that it was just so lonely and there wasn't anything to mm. go and do. I had to move back in with, uh, with family and uh, be around family while I'm getting ready to move to the U S. Um, but I'm the same. It's, uh, it's so quiet. It's too quiet all the yeah. time. And so when I go live, I know that if I go live at a reasonable time for the UK, 
I'm going to get no views. Mm. But if I go live at a time that works for the US, then I'll get a fair number of people coming in. So that means Saturday mornings are just out the window for me to go go live. It has to be late in the evening for me to be able to do anything. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that all too well. Um, just going back to more uh, production side, uh, not production side, sorry, performance side. Um, when creating character voices, we've mentioned voices, and you mentioned your love of doing it on lives, and and you know, and, and of course, uh, you, you know, using TikTok to share those voices. But when creating those voices, like especially for like you know, fantasy, uh, and, and you know, the books that require those big and, and the, the fun voices, really, that are not too common, perhaps, in our own world. Um, where do those sort of come from for you? Like, are you a person who like, you know, banks voices in their head? Are you, are you, are you, you know, in a coffee shop somewhere doing voices on your phone to remember for later? Like how, where does that process sort of begin for you? Uh, so for me, it it comes from other sources. I get a lot of inspirations for voices and then I try them out and twist them. So my go-to voices are heavily influenced by the narration I uh, listened to to my my favorite book series is the Belgariad by David Eddings, and it was uh, it was that book that I was reading and listening to, uh, narrated by Cameron Byerly, and the voices he did have stuck with me. Uh, just in my head constantly. And so when I know that I have a character that needs to be a old wizened uh, grandfather-like character, I immediately go back to, okay, what did Belgrath the Sorcerer sound like? And I'll start there and then I'll twist it for mm. the setting and, uh, and what's needed. Or uh, there's a big, burly uh, giant of a character. Okay, so Barak, the, the warrior of Belar, um i'll use his voice and it it goes from there so for new voices it's often movies tv shows that sort of thing i will often ask an author to uh see if there are any actors or characters that they want a a character to sound like uh, from tv and i had one uh book that um a book series that the author loved the way the Dragon Ball Z characters sounded. So I spent weeks and weeks just listening to clips of various Dragon Ball Z characters and trying to duplicate and do impressions of them. Uh, and then got down to picking, okay, these voices are going to be like this, and then this is going to be Vegeta, and then this is going to be uh, Krillin, and, and so on. So, yeah. yeah, that's really cool. Like, when... For like pre-production and for getting these, are you, are you, I mean, I'm guessing like you, you'll sort of have an idea of what you're going to do for each character before production has even started. Like, could you, could you tell us a little bit more about your pre-production about the research? Maybe you mentioned also reaching out to authors and asking that. I'm just really interested in your process for, you know, ahead of going into the booth and recording. Um, because I think with pre-production, it's such like, a, it's so unique to, to you know it's so unique to each separate narrator because there is a million ways to do it and some like to be a little bit more loose some like to be incredibly you know hemmed in and know exactly to the t of you know uh of everything that they're going to be doing in that session where do you sort of see yourself on that on that line um i would say i'm kind of in the middle 
of things. Um, unless a book has a lot of characters, mm. I generally won't record uh, specific line samples to go back to regularly. Mm. But if there is a lot of them, then I will. I'll go through, pick out a couple lines for that character, record mm. it, keep that saved so that while I'm narrating, I can remind myself, oh, what did this character sound like? Click it plays and go back. But that's only if there's a lot of characters that I have to deal with. Mm. Um, I prefer the ones that have just a few main characters to, to narrate. And for those, I tend to just keep an idea in my head and just go off of the flow uh, for those. Uh, not too much preparation goes into the character voices. But uh, I, I take the... Uh, the character descriptions that are given, whether they're given by the author or they're just in the book, mm. I will uh, keep those to one side. Maybe I need to go back and double check. Oh, this character is supposed to be more jovial sounding. Okay, so I'll I'll tweak that a little bit. Um, and then with uh, when it comes time for actual recording, I try my best to just do it in one go. Um, I don't like going back and having to fill in a character's voice mm. um, uh, in a particular way. So I try to just um, do a chapter at a time um, with the character in running through the head uh, repeatedly as, as much as I can. Um, yeah, I hope that answers yeah. the question. It certainly does. It certainly yeah. does. I'm very, I feel like I'm, I'm very similar, actually. Um when we talk about genres, of course, we were talking, um, you know, with research, we've mentioned fantasy being, you know, can be needing a lot more prep. When it says about genres, is there a genre of book that you perhaps maybe haven't narrated so much of that you wish to in the future? Horror. Okay. So uh, I love horror as a genre. Um, in fact, after this interview, I'm going to the movies to go and watch a horror movie. Um, nice. I, I've always enjoyed it, particularly because it's the only genre that, uh, that I think pulls you in uh, a little too much, almost. So uh, you step out of uh, watching an Avengers movie and you think, oh, that was cool. You don't feel like a superhero. You step out of a horror movie and you're looking over your shoulder. You're looking through the 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 doorways to make sure you're not being followed. And it leaves that little lasting feeling on you. And I enjoy that. I enjoy how much it affects uh, and has an effect on me. Yeah. Um, so I enjoy reading good horror stories. Um, but I've only had a few opportunities to narrate uh, a couple horrors. And most of those were unreliable narrator um books which as an idea being a narrator narrating a unreliable narrator story i at first thought that i was misunderstanding the story that i had missed uh plot holes and uh things that well that didn't make sense but no it was supposed to not make sense yeah. um, but i'd love to go back and do go into more actual scary stories it requires less characters maybe the villain has to have a very particular voice um the main characters tend to be more uh more standard not uh, not too uh, distinct but uh, it's the way that you can make the narration feel 
that I really mm. enjoy, but I haven't uh, had an opportunity to do. Do you reckon? I don't know what your recording setup's like, but if it's quite isolated, maybe quite dark, do you reckon there is a chance that you may scare yourself? <laughs> uh, I hope not, but it could probably happen. Yeah. Thankfully, I, think... I I have a my uh, my booth blank my bl- booth is a blanket fort essentially, mm. and the blankets are white on the inside, so it's well lit in there. I'm good. <laughs> or you've been hugged by a ghost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I would like to ask you if it's okay. My most um, complained about question um, from our guest, which is it was an unfair one to spring one up so you'd have you're under no obligation to answer it because uh, i do get that it can sound a little irrelevant at the start but what is a question that you wished you were asked more well that's really difficult you know yeah um, <laughs> what do i wish i was asked to do more um are you available because <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the one thing that i uh, i would say i struggle with uh, a lot is portraying the uh the fact that i i have availability to work mm-hmm. uh right now i still have a day job as a game designer because i don't put myself out there enough to be able to secure enough work to do narration full time i've mm-hmm. done over 200 audiobooks and still it's it's part time work uh mm-hmm. for me so i uh, i wish i wish i had more opportunities to uh, to be prompted to say, well, actually, yeah, I do have availability, you know. Uh, I, like, for example, as of right now, I have nothing lined up for the new year, um, which would be a good thing to have once I move and get married. It would be nice to have uh, projects lined up. Mm. I get, Do you think that there is, like, a, I don't know, I, I don't know how to best word it, but, like, do you think there is, like, a, like a stigma, especially in, like, our hustle culture, which is so, you know, prevalent, at least I feel anyway, this idea of like everything has to be going amazing. You have to be grinding all the time and everything has to be, you know, otherwise you're not trying hard enough or whatever that means. Do you do you feel like there is something there which actually makes it quite difficult to say, actually, I, I, I really need some like work now. And like, because you want to obviously like we all want to be in the we want to be making the videos until we want to be, you know, writing on Instagram. They're like, oh, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm I'm one of the best, best narrators in town. I've got work forever. And like, good luck trying to book me in, you know, but like, obviously, the reality of that is never, you know, is, is not that. So I don't know. Do you think there is a stigma there? Or is that just my own insecurity? I I don't know if there's a stigma, but I will say that um I don't think we voice how uh, how much of a uh, a session and a gig lifestyle mm. this really is going session to session, project mm. to project, um, because I see narrators out there talking about all the projects they're they're doing, um, and it just looks like these are people that have it all sorted and together. They're lined up for the next year or more. Um, so maybe it's a stigma that I'm putting on myself that I feel like I'm not doing enough to be able to get that work. Um, uh, I don't think it's anything anyone else has ever said. I don't feel like Mm. any narrator has ever said, uh, you need to be working or you're not good enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but we should probably be more comfortable with letting people know our availability, I Mm. think. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. 
it's just yeah i mean it's something that i've struggled with myself because i mean i was do you know i started narrating in 2017 and i was always really lucky to have at least sort of like three to four months at least of projects and then this year when you know like i've i i i feel like i'm doing the best work that i've ever done and you know, working on projects that I really enjoy. And this year was like the first time and it sort of hit me. I was like, hang on a second, I have no idea what I'm going to do in three weeks time. And this is like my full time. Yeah, I've got rent to pay. I've got, you know, like plans that require <laughs> that require money. And like, it, it just sort of like hit me. I was like, I, don't, I haven't like, I don't really talk about this with anybody. And like that whole like scarcity, like mindset sort of really came in and it was like, it was really fearful. And it's sort of like, to be honest, it sort of knocked the wind out of my sails a little bit. And then I, I realised that I, I haven't, I mean, I've spoken to, you know, 60, 70 narrators who are all going through similar things, presumably on this show. Um, and I, I've never really spoken about it. Yeah, I think, weird. I think it's, uh, it's a difficult situation for uh, us to be in that uh, narration isn't cheap. We recognise that. It's mm. not as uh, it's not a, as ridiculously expensive as you can see some videos on TikTok where people are saying, oh, you can make 13000 uh, <laughs> off of it. No, you can't. Um, but it's not cheap when the majority of the people, the authors on TikTok or the people mm. that we get work from are also indie authors that don't have much of a budget themselves. Mm. And so it's it's hard to know that you should charge uh, an amount that you are worth, but then also know that that deadline is coming up where I have no work. Mm. Um, and the constant feeling of, oh, should I should I drop my price a little bit mm. um, to make it more available? Maybe I'll get more work out that way. Mm. Um, but you have to remind yourself that, no, my abilities, my equipment, everything is worth mm. a certain price. And I just uh, I I should get that, um, but it's very difficult, um, mm. especially as you say, things are getting more expensive for everyone. Um, mm. Buying audiobooks, I think, are still on the rise, um, even though things are difficult. But uh, but being able to pay out front for the cost of an audiobook mm. is a big challenge for a lot of authors and. Mm we we have to face that yeah we well, i think um just the, the pure risk isn't it of you know whether it's going to sell whether they're going to make any anything back and that that you know the the budget to take those risks it seems to be getting slimmer and slimmer unfortunately for you know everybody uh, you know across the whole production board are you good at taking are you good at taking time off i probably not as much as i should mm. um i when I get a project, I charge through that project. And mm. uh, considering I still have a nine to five job, uh, that means that in those weeks that uh, that I have work, uh, I have a project to do. It is day job and then immediately recording in the evening. And that's my entire day. And so mm. I tend to uh, crunch everything in a bit too much, but I try to uh, make sure that my weekends, I I don't do narration on the weekends, even though it's a um, it's a part time 
uh, gig at the moment, I try to make sure that my weekends are free so that I can dedicate time to relax, to cool down and spend time with family because that charges me up. Yeah, it is so necessary, isn't it? Um, I'm exactly the same. I, I try not to work at all on weekends. Um, I, I just think it's so it's so needed because you know it's so heavy on the head his <laughs> narration and i don't know much about game design unfortunately but i imagine that's no walk in the park either um yeah <laughs> um i would say that uh depending on the project you might need to take more more relaxing time with your narration i did a an 18 hour finished project that was a western story the entire narration which is something like 30 hours worth of actual work is me talking with a southern texas accent the entire time and i had to stop myself a few times from continuing to speak texan uh <laughs> with a western accent while i'm not narrating i had to switch the brain off and so you need to take those breaks <laughs> That's really funny. They <laughs> just continue on for the for the rest yeah. of time. Just not I guess that's that's the new me now. <laughs> so on those weekends, on those times where uh, you're not working, um, I know you do post a little bit on TikTok about, um, and you mentioned as well making the uh, making the bookmarks um, about some hobbies that you have. What what could we often find you up to when you're not in the booth uh, and when you're not working? So if I'm not playing a board game. Um, which I absolutely love board games uh, as a, I would much rather play a board game than like watch TV or uh, a movie or something. Um, if I'm not playing a board game, I am working on Leathercraft. I've only just started uh, just a couple months ago that uh, I got into it. I saw leather armor online and thought, oh, that would look so cool. My fiance and I talked about going to a Ren Fair, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to make myself something for a Ren Fair, just a little something small, uh, uh, some van braces for my forearms and some greaves for my shins. And I loved it, absolutely loved it. And so I'm now planning to make an entire uh, Dragon Hunter knight leather armor set. Nice. Um, I. It's one of those activities that I can switch off doing. And yeah. that's really nice to be able to do. What goes into it? Like, what are the sort of like machinery needed? Is it like sewing machines? Like, how does it? So I do everything by hand. There are some machines that are all fancy. You can see some people with uh, like CNC machines that will cut out the pattern for you on leather. No, I just uh, buy a bunch of leather from the local craft store. I uh print out the pattern on paper i'm then holding it down while i trace around it i cut it out by hand um i'm using uh hand punches uh presses tools and hammers to be able to tool in the design dyeing it all um and then riveting everything together all by hand it would probably be easier if i managed to get some of the fancy tools um, but it's that creativity that I still enjoy with everything else. I enjoyed the creativity of video games. I enjoy the creativity of the books. I'm absolutely loving being creative with leather. Yeah, that is so cool, you know. Mm -hmm. That is so cool. I was always, like, partial to, um, do you know, like, is it like you know, like, blacksmithing? 
mm-hmm. like you know, make you know, with, with metal and, and make you know, and like iron and all things like that. I was quite partial to, you know, after you see a few videos of like forgery and things, and you mm-hmm. kind of think, I'd love to make a sword, you know. <laughs> like yeah. I, just, I just haven't like I don't trust myself around the heat. <laughs> think, yeah. Truthfully, well, my fiance and I have seen a bunch of really nice board gaming tables and decided you know what let's give it a try and make one ourselves so i've started work on leathercraft maybe in a couple months i'll realize that i really enjoy woodworking as well and all of a sudden i'm adding woodworking to my repertoire Um, but it's just by the time you head over to utah you're gonna be making everything from scratch (laughs) (laughs) self-sustaining absolutely um If you um remembering this is an audiobook podcast, I'm going to ask you another question about audiobooks first. Okay, um, if you could share a helpful tip or just some advice um with someone who is looking at pursuing audiobook narration as a career down the line, maybe just dipping their toe, maybe just you know just feeling the space out, what would it be? Uh, my advice. I've given this advice to a couple people. It is uh start now with public domain stuff you don't need an author's permission you don't need to audition for it uh get started grab one of the classics and record yourself reading and put it up on youtube or something Mm. um if uh if nothing else it can work as a uh, the starting of a portfolio it can get you involved with learning what it actually involves in Mm. an audiobook um and you can discover whether or not you enjoy it enough um i have uh i really value the time i spent doing twitch um where i read things like dracula and frankenstein and uh and these classical stories that people already know and i can do it for free there's no license fee there um and it was very valuable for me to learn the process of improving. If you uh, if you want to get involved in audiobook narration, you need to understand that it's not just reading. Hmm. And that's something that actually producing a public domain audiobook will teach you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Where's the best place for people to keep up with you? Uh, for me, it's to it is absolutely TikTok. So at AaronSmith.narrator, um, I think my profile name is actually Aaron's Wordsmithy. Mm. Um, but uh, on TikTok is the best place to keep up with me and contact me. If anyone wants to, they, they absolutely can contact me via TikTok. Mm. Fantastic. I would love to end the show by simply asking, um, like, what's in the pipeline? I know you've got a lot coming up, <laughs> so it may be a bit of a, a difficult question to answer, but have you got any projects or, you know, other things uh, that, that you're excited about? Yeah, so uh, the right now I have uh, two, uh, two projects that I'm doing duet with uh, some female narrators that I met on TikTok. Um, so there is another opportunity where hanging out on TikTok. Um, I was approached by the authors on both of these cases as being told uh, that they were told by their female narrators that they want to work with me. 
Oh, and so that was a huge compliment that other narrators wanted to be able to work with me. Uh, so I've got those two uh, romance uh, novels that are duets that are going to be done by before the end of the year. Uh, and I've just now picked up two more, which is the second book in a epic fantasy series. Uh, the first book was An Inheritance of Ash and Blood by Jamie Edmondson. Um, and it is a typical high epic fantasy sword and sorcery uh, story. Um, and then also the latest book by A.P. Beswick, who is, uh, this is the, um, the urban fantasy series, which is Spirit Beasts, um, which is set in his hometown and everyone has their own spirit beast and, uh, and how it all unfolds. So that's what I'm working on right now for audiobooks. In terms of things that are exciting, I'm hoping to get a visa and work and move to and to America, get married at the end of February. We've set a date as February 29th, just because it's leap year, we might as well. Yeah. Um, and then I'm hoping that throughout the entirety of 2024, I get opportunities to go to as many book signing events as I possibly can, as both a person to sit at a table books and beaches in Oregon in August I'll be doing that mm. and as a fan like I want to go and see this room full of authors so that I mm. can just enjoy all of their books sounds pretty good it sounds pretty good to me definitely um well that just brings us um uh, to a close uh, for this episode of the audiobook club all of the links to aaron's social media accounts uh, and website will be linked in the show notes uh, thank you so much for tuning in and of course another huge huge thank you to you aaron for joining us thank you very much i'm glad to have been here it was a lot of fun frustrated by the royalty rates for your audiobook Annoyed that when the digital distributors say 70% royalties, they actually mean 70% of 50% or 80% of 70%, neither of which is an actual 70%. Wishing there was a way to cut out the middleman? Yet, you want your audiobook listeners to have a smooth and positive experience, and a direct download sale from your website won't deliver that. We at Pro Audio Voices hear you. Out of our commitment to our author clients, we've created Amplify, a program that provides an actual 65% of the sales price that you set, that gives you access to your customers' names and emails so you can reconnect with them, and keeps you in the driver's seat. Check it out at ProAudioVoices.com. You'll find Amplify in the marketing menu. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Audiobook Club. This episode was sponsored by Pro Audio Voices. If you have a story you want to bring to life, head over to ProAudioVoices.com to get in touch with industry professionals that can take care of every step of production, as well as offer support and guidance with marketing, growing your brand, and boosting your sales. Once again, that's ProAudioVoices.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.